Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Let me tell you something dumb about HOAs, okay? Yes. We get us knocking on the door and I'm like, who is knocking on my door? Lexa didn't go off nothing. So I go out, this guy, we have construction being done. There are certain basic elements you have to have for, you know, human decency rights. So there's like a porta potty station and like this little cleaning station. They're like, you need to move this. This is unappealing to our curb appeal. Okay, I get it. All right, buddy. Um, so what do you want me to tell the workers about you wanting to violate their basic human rights? And they're like, what? I'm like, you're basically asking people to say, oh, you can't wash up, go to the bathroom or anything. You just have to get here and work. And they didn't like the fact that like some of the workers, they come, I set up this little patio area out front. So like they can sit down, eat their lunch, do their whole thing, relax for a minute. This is unappealing. So what? Like you want me to say screw it to human rights because you don't like the fact that their construction workers are like sitting eating their lunch? These things don't happen like they did back in the day with Sears. You know, you're not going to be able to build a house, build a pool or anything else pre it's already said and done and then just install it and that's it. No, you have to do a lot of things that go with that. Right. Like you have to people have to be able to go to the bathroom. They should be able to sit down and have they're like, "Well, why can't you just do that in the backyard?" Well, it's a construction zone. It's it's a literal fucking, it looks like a mine went off back there. Like, he's like trying to get all snooty and I'm not a person you should get uppity with because I go from being super nice shells to super mean shells. And so I was like, no, that's perfectly fine. So I turned my little phone on to record. I was like, if you wouldn't mind, just for my lawyer's purposes, if you would just mind stating what can't, what you don't like, why you don't like it and why you think it's okay to violate human rights and decency. And he was like, what? I was like, OSHA laws and regulations. I just need to know for my lawyer's purposes, when you try to fine us for this, just because I'm not covering that $12,000 fine. So if we could just document this, then that would be great. And he was like, well, we can give an extension, but we would really prefer that it's just down in the backyard. I'm like, no, 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 that's fine. Just say what I need, what, what you're feeling. And he was like, well, we'll, we'll discuss this when your husband's home. I was like, my husband is home, but you're not going to be talking to my husband. You're going to be talking with me. 
because as a homeowner, that is what you should be doing. He's like, well, your husband's here. Like, dude, listen here, little white old man. My 30 second trip to take my dog outside really quick turned into a five minute discussion and debate with this dude because I am not only a woman, but I have construction people that are just trying to sit and enjoy their lunch. Didn't we already have this discussion about women's roles in the household? <laughs> oh, I can tell you, it is not the man that runs this house. So let's just make that very clear. Well, of course, it's your responsibility. You're the woman. It's your responsibility to take care of the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I Mac. But yes, I that know. is just my, how are we possibly trying to violate basic federal law? Like you are trying to get rid of federal law for your age. I live in a cul-de-sac. We are a gated community. Nobody can come in here. What are you doing? And, and j- by the way, just in case you try to use this against me for that anything said of because this is being recorded, I will suggest and state again, this is sarcasm when I stated that whole fact oh, of about the role. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's been said, it's been confirmed. Now we can't, they can't use it against me. 101. All right. All right, folks. We are here. We are live. We are back. We are something of a rant. But hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Pen, where me and Chelsea in this episode talk about pretty much anything and everything that it involves. Uh, publishing world and also talk a little bit about historical fiction and is it fact or fiction where is the blend okay mac we can go with that that was a cool line (laughs) we'll use that that works i feel like you already explained that it was but that's fine we can do that we're going to start our own genre hey it's those keywords it's those keywords we already discussed this last week yes (laughs) freaking hate genres but it's funny that you know when we talk about historical fiction when we talk about how it's impacting the publishing world how it's impacting readers lives it there is a sense of you know where do you find that balance between facts and fiction even though it's even stated historical fiction it there still has to be somewhat of a balance though oh absolutely and i think there's a lot of times people don't understand the fiction part uh, for example, you know, you know, Danny, Danielle Morsino, she does a, a story about angels that got locked out of heaven and got a huge uproar about it because they were trying to say that she went against religion and did everything like that. And it was, it's a fiction book. It is fake. She made this up and everybody was like, you're declaring whatever. So I think a lot of times readers kind of get lost into it too, by making those small little comparisons in history or religion and get into their feelings. And I think that's something that is interesting about historical fiction in itself is because a lot of times historical fiction takes place as an outsider during a historical event, right? So in this case, um, it was slavery shortly after abolishing slavery and the process that they went through. And there's a lot of emotion in this book. There is a lot of people that will be upset reading this book. But it's a, it's a lovely story. It's a beautiful story. And I think it's one of the great things with historical fiction is it makes you stop when you read it and go, wait a second, is this 
is this something that actually happened or is this part of the fake part? So I think reading and writing historical fiction also brings that curiosity of to make people go back and actually relearn about history that maybe you learned about in eighth grade and forgot since then. So it's kind of that fun blend too. But please readers, remember if it says fiction in it, it's not real. Don't get upset. Don't hate the authors. Go and cause these uprisings over it. Just reach out or put the book down. Don't get in your feels. Basically what you're saying is use common sense. That's so, so did you know you can't use the phrase common sense to describe people anymore because it's considered an insult? If you go, oh, I have no common sense. I can tell you right now. I am very, I am one of those people where it's one of the reasons I'm not allowed to go anywhere by myself. And, and I've, I've had it in, in conventions and stuff where people will start slowly leading me away. And I don't realize it just because I'm talking or I, I'm distracted or whatever. And Danny and Corey will be like, Chelsea, where the hell are you? Go get back over here. Don't let them hurt you. And I'm like, oh, when did you guys get over there? And it's because I'm one of those people that is easily kidnapped, I guess. I don't know. But it's just it's why I don't go anywhere by myself. It's why I, I, if I do go, I have my headphones in, like, don't talk to me. I'm going to get like sucked into some crazy trap and you're going to say I need to go save the world or something. I don't know. It's considered an insult now. If you tell somebody like, hey, you have no common sense, like apparently you, you can harm their fragile constitutions and it can be, yeah, it's a whole thing about their, their men, their mentality and their, their mental health. So if you say it and it can be upsetting to somebody you're not supposed to do it mac yeah well i come from a generation that really doesn't really truly care too much about people's feelings um when the truth is involved ladies and gentlemen facts are facts if, if the fact yes. if you don't like the fact well then sorry but that's the truth the truth is the truth no matter what now here's the here's the thing about it okay. you can always put a different perspective on the truth that's a lie. If you change I the know. Truth, it's a lie. You can't do that. But that's what's happening today. That is very true. The truth may be, let, let's put it this way. And I know I'm going to I'm going to hit a lot of bad bad mojo coming my way on this one. I kind of want a little hostile <laughs> mail. Not hate mail, just hostile mail. We're we're, we're going to we're going to get the the here's where the chaos starts to come into play a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the whole idea about gender and gender roles oh we can't do this we, we can't well, do it. hear me out it's gender roles in general okay okay the perspective okay. of traditional mm -hmm. comparative to modern because there are different there are two viewpoints two different viewpoints on what roles we have and even in the book that we're going to be talking about with uh our next author deidre uh, Sinnott, uh, she wrote a book called The Third Mrs. Galway, a, and it's a great historical novel. And just like Chelsea said, it deals with a lot of a time where abolitionism was still considered treason uh, to the government, um, as well as, depending on where you were at, as well as enslavement um, and very much the idea of relationships that involved that are involved around that but one of the major subtext that's in this is the roles that women play in the household or in the relationship itself and that's why i'm talking about when it comes to gender and gender roles 
I am talking about truth, okay? Because this is the truth. Facts were facts. Historical facts are that women only were there to do two things. One is to give the man an heir. That's it. The other one was to take care of the house. That's it. Anything that was outside of the house, the woman had no say in anything. They were told where they had to go, where they need to be, how they needed to be dressed, how they were supposed to act. They even had institutions, female institutions that taught young women, especially orphaned women, how to act so that they could find a mate. I'm telling you, Mac, I'm so thankful that I was born during this time. I'm so thankful you were. <laughs> I know. I love my Converse. I love my jeans and graphic. It's pretty much 90% of my, my wardrobe. Black, gray, green, and red. Like, that's it. I can't do those bright colors. I don't want to be like 50 layers deep in clothing. Like, that just sounds miserable. You don't want to get tuberculosis very that so quickly? I know it's weird. It seems like I'm like, ooh, polio, mumps, so my thing. But believe it or not, no, not a fan. I, I, I enjoy vaccines. I like antibiotics. I like to be able to take cold medicine that knocks me out so I don't even know that I have a cold until I wake up three days later and I'm magically cured. Like... But like, I am very much into that modern times. Like, yay, modern. You're giving way too much out on how to get rid of you than anything else. You've already told us how we how we can lead you so easily away from other people. By the way, Corey or Danielle, when you're listening to this, make sure you have one of those backpacks that has that leash. The leash? Like, yeah. yeah, on her. One of our first conventions, we did um, GalaxyCon Columbus last year. And the whole time, Corey told her because he wasn't able to go. He was like, Danny, you do not leave her. You do not let her wander. If she goes to the bathroom, you have to stand by because and like wait outside because she's just going to assume you went back somewhere. She has no sense of direction. I, I'm getting better at it. But the problem is, is especially I don't know if it's just my personality or the fact that I'm an author. But if I see something like I start spinning a story and then I start wandering aimlessly and just like thinking of this story and even Danny's just been like, chills, I, I was standing right here. How did you, how did you slip by me? And I'm like, I don't know. I just walked out. And then it turned out there were two exits to the bathroom, which is just not good for Chels. But yeah, modern day times. But meanwhile, I know how to, I did Boy Scouts instead of Girl Scouts. I used to sneak with a couple friends when I was younger. So I know camping, I know how to fish. I don't like the skinning and gutting part, not a fan. I can shoot a bow. I can shoot a gun. Like I'm a crack shot. If I can get to a weapon, I'll be good. Well, yeah, again, true. But I, I state this again. No, I, I can't see Chelsea in a corset. I can't see Chelsea in this big furled <laughs> skirt and these puffled, uh, puffed off shoulders and the hair all the way. No, I can't do it. I can't see her in that style. We have a super top secret. We are doing a cosplay calendar for the the realm and the veil. So some of this might actually happen and there will be photo proof. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna make sure to the commentary between these photos just so everybody can know how absolutely miserable the whole experience was. Or maybe it'll be super fun. Danny will be there, so maybe it'll be super fun. I have to get some of the audio from that. It's just gonna hurt. Well yeah, because you're like 
you're constricting your your ribs. You're constricting your breathing. That's why so many women, one, died, passed out, yeah. <laughs> That's why smelling salts were definitely um, invented. Two, uh, because, you know, during that time, humidity, especially when you're talking about South in general, is just humidity. It was, it's even, it was even worse back then, too. Because you remember, this was during the time of the Industrial Revolution, too. Oh, and so, the smog and yes, no, no, see, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, so that's why a lot of women, that's why a lot of men were always looking out for women and saying, you know, are you going to be, you know, fainting soon? Because they would always be, you know, fanning themselves with something just to stay cool. Because again, restriction of air, you know, because of the corsets, ribs were basically puncturing uh, the lungs because the the style of the steel cages. what yeah basically because of the the styles of women's fashion back then it went from if you were con if you were considered a uh, woman that a curvy woman you were considered a great uh, mate because of the fact that you had hips that were big enough to give birth but also if uh, it meant that you had uh, money because if you know if you had enough money to eat back then food to look like that, I mean, food was scarce. Exactly. If, but if you had money, it was not not a big thing. So again, it was more of a societal social ranking, basically. And then during the turn of the century in the 1900s, it it came down to women had to be skinny. You had to look like you had that. Um, hourglass. The hour, yeah, the hourglass figure. So again, and, and this is this is a very important. There's a reason why we're talking about all of this is because one, it gives you an insight into the turn the timeline that Deidre was talking about in her book that she's explaining to you, and it is very important to understand the styles. It's understand anything that involves society in general. Yes. Ability to go somewhere when you wanted to, to be dressed, however, and a lot of times when you were those more high-born women, you had even more layers and you stood out even more. So in situations like helping slaves from through the Underground Railroad and all of those things, you stood out more and you weren't expected to be doing or caught in certain areas that this railroad ran through. So it's a lot about full immersion that I feel like she did. She brought you into the the culture of the timeline, the clothes of the timeline, the interactions between whites and, and African-Americans and everything that was that time, the shift in how people thought and recognized other races. And it was huge. Yeah. And it was it was very much. The terminology in itself is very important, too, because, again, you notice that, you know, Chelsea said white and black back then. And I'm going to say the nicer version of the N word here, because one, I can because I'm black. So <laughs> mad at me about it. But it's also historical. It's historically correct, too, that black people were considered were named Negroes. Uh there's other there's the other n-word but we won't go to that part because it's very uh it's an arrogant word to say 
you know, because it means that you have a superiority complex, basically, if you have to use that word. Well, and it was it was meant as a derogatory term, obviously, which is kind of ironic with the way that people kind of use it now. Um, but it was meant to just say that they were stupid and worthless. And it was thrown around to make sure that it was cemented into their brain that like, hey, this is what you are. And the way and it, it's one of those trigger warnings that is in the book. To, so be very cautious when, when you enter into this. And I think she does a really great job at warning you of the different themes that are in the story, which I have found not all historical fiction does. So, but I feel like, again, you should know you're reading historical fiction. It's probably not going to be the up and coming fun times where everybody was, you know, everything was love and happiness, unless you're doing a seventies, I guess. Even then it's still a little bit difficult too, because we were still under civil rights at that point too. But again, when you look at the cover of it too, I mean, yes. it's, it's pretty, pretty blatant that it's, Oh no, this is definitely not your modern age story um but it also gives a lot of good viewpoints on when we're looking at historical fiction when we're looking at this specific era that you have to be very correct you have to be right on point when it comes to the slang when it comes to the terminology when it comes to specific organizations um even if you're making them up you still have to have a baseline for all of that. And that's where that blend of fact and fiction come into play. That's why, again, historical fiction. Come on, let's figure this out. But one of the other things I really enjoyed about it is the fact that when we're talking about perspectives and in her writing style of third-person duality, it is a sense that... I know this is going to come up in some people's minds of this is a white woman thinking that she knows what a black woman would think. Yada, yada. Again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of ages, use your common sense and understand. Again, I don't mean that in terms of a uh, insult to you. Yeah, a negative manner. It's the truth. Common sense. Use your common sense, your God-given sense that... It's going to happen, okay? And she did years of research. Years of research. She sat down and she really dove into this world that she was creating and copying to bring a real-life experience to it. She read the old articles and old newspapers. She went into the backgrounds, a lot of these organizations. And I think it's... I don't think there's anything wrong. I think... Okay, let me correct that. She did it what I would call the right way. She didn't try to color it as, you know, uh, you know. No pun intended. <laughs> but she went it in a way that was like, this is how terrible this was. I'm not going to make it sound better just because of, you know, being white or being a person who lives in New York and did past papers and research on the city that she had grown up in. But she got into the down and dirty of how this woman would feel. And she will openly admit that it may not be exactly how it was, but she did her best. Instead of other other times when you read historical fiction and it's a 
white woman writing a black woman's perspective or a black woman writing a white woman's perspective or a guy doing a woman's perspective. Sometimes you have those books where it's like, okay, there's no way this is how this went down. As being a person like that, this is not how it happened. Deirdre did a fantastic job, in my opinion. Again, I'm a white girl. I don't, I don't know the perspective of a black woman in, in the 1800s, but you were able to tell the difference between her her white character and, and her black slave runaway. And they had those different views on the world and they kind of taught each other a bit, which I thought was was the best way to approach something like that. Absolutely. And here's here's the common thread of both those perspectives. It's a woman's perspective. That's what she wrote from. She didn't write from a white woman's perspective or a black woman's perspective. She wrote from a woman's perspective. And understanding that this is not a younger woman's perspective. This is someone who has lived a life. She will admit it so easily that she started writing this in her 60s, which also gives the perspective of what life experience will give you. And when you do the research on whatever topic you are talking about, specifically historical fiction, that you have some type of perspective from your own life to come pull from. So if you are a mother, then guess what? Writing about giving birth, if you gave birth to your children and not adopted them, because motherhood comes in different perspectives, in different ways, we know this. But when we're talking specifically about physical birth, bloodline, we are talking about the pain. They know the pain. And going from historical point of view of that, historical research, excuse me, you will know that majority of the women during that time even if they had one, two, five, 12 different children, that 13th will kill them. It was natural. All of it back yeah. then. We didn't have the All of it. Yeah. Full on yeah. natural. In a barn. Okay, I don't know about yeah. the barn. I'm assuming somebody did. Oh, yeah. Majority. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. That, that's a that's an easy uh, assumption that that was there. But it was always given on. There was birth on hay because the mattresses were made out of hay. There was no springs, no nothing like that. It was hay and string. So unsanitary. Even nowadays, this is going to be another tangent. Do you ever watch TV, like the the TV shows, like no, the crime I... shows? I know. I know, Mac, you're not a really big TV guy. Um, no. When you go through and you're watching these shows and you just see people that'll, especially when you, we've been watching Bar Rescue and we love watching the kitchen shows and stuff like that. And so I watch it and you just see them like touch the raw food and then like wipe their face or do whatever. And like, it makes my skin physically crawl. I'm just like, you dirty, dirty, dirty. But to think of being back in that time where you're literally giving birth in, in the dirt or in the hay or no clean hands, because I guess hand washing is a new thing. And it's just, it's a crazy what people went through back then. And that's from a, a perspective of a white person. Slaves, when they gave birth, it was, it was different. And I think it's one of the things that she got when she's talking about her runaway slave is pregnant during this entire thing. And mm. to be in a position like she is as a slave who was obviously had to 
went through that whole entire experience as a slave and is trying to run away to give herself and her child a better opportunity. I don't think there's anybody alive today that can actually completely understand that situation. Like, how do you possibly, what is there to draw from in order to get to that? Yeah. But I think she did a really good job assuming how it would be. And here's something that I, I, I want people to understand, too, is that even if that's why I brought it up, like she wrote from a woman's point of view, not yes. it's just a black woman's, not a white woman's, just a woman's point of view is the fact that when you are pregnant, especially when you're about to burst. OK, the fact is. Walking alone can be and just completely out of your mind hard it's one of the it's the hardest thing because again you go from something barely noticeable or not noticeable at all all of a sudden now you got this 10 pound bullet bowl there we go that's a different perspective though as a guy you're assuming it's what five ten pounds you're carrying around it's not it's like 20 to but again yeah i'm thinking like okay what's their actual weight add on a few more pounds worth of the water that's (laughs) that's based in there too the blood the baby the placenta the additional skin around the fat core yeah everything and that's not including the top part too that's just the stomach because again a woman's chest biologically will get bigger because of the milk but again, think about the idea that you are a woman who's under duress, who's under duress with an, a, a with child. You are nine months pregnant. You're walking 10, 15 miles a day, give or take, depending on how the distance is between them. And we find out that, you know, historically, you know, the cities were, the town to town was about 10, 10 miles for the uh, the horses to be able to get changed switched out, out, the tires, switch, wagons switched out, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of planning that goes into that distance. But think about it. You're under, distre- under duress at night. You're with child. And you know what happens if you get caught. You know you what's going to happen when you get caught. So it comes exactly. down to fight or flight and obviously she chose to fight to make that journey Mm -hmm. and to go through the entire thing and i think that's one of the biggest parts of historical fiction when you do it right like like dj did she went and she captured what a real life experience would be during a terrible time in american history and she made when you read it you stop and you wonder and you realize it's it's not that long ago we are not an old country you know, no. we were established 1776. Like, that's not that long ago. It seems like it in the grand scheme of things, but country-wise... We are babies. Right. We're maybe in that toddler stage get now, guys. Like, whoo. Hey, we finally got out of diapers. <laughs> we still got a lot of shit on us, but, you know, excuse my language. Yes. Frank, take that part out. <laughs> Do not take that part out. But it goes through, and it's one of the... She created, She made a captivating story. Which, as you go through and and you read, I guarantee half the readers are going to go and they're going to look into slavery again. You're going to look in and see, okay, like, was it really just in this time? Like, that's not that long. Like, 
couldn't have been in the 1800s. You assume this stuff happened so long ago and it really didn't. And that's why I like historical fiction is because it reminds you of those small things that happened in his, not, not that slavery was a small thing. That's not what I'm saying, but it reminds right. you of those pieces of history that you kind of, it's not that you forget about them, but you almost kind of do like you understand mm. that it happened, but you don't understand the full extent of it anymore because as adults, especially as we get older, you get so caught up in your own life that you almost forget parts of history that are important to remember, whether it's slavery the civil rights movement, the civil war, the both world wars, like those are important parts of our history. And I think that when you are able to read a historical fiction novel, it reminds you and maybe not in this case in a funner, fun, more exciting way, but right. it makes you stop and think about it. And that's what it's yeah. supposed to be for. Like she said earlier, we're not that, that old of a country. Technically, you know, the pilgrims got here you know around november of 1620 when you google it, it says november 11th 1620 so i'm presuming they base that off of actual documentation but again we're only 403 years old almost 400 yeah about 403 and a half years old comparative to a lot of the countries that have been around for generations I mean, Israel, again, Israel is one of the oldest, still today, oldest uh, countries still around. Same thing with uh, Egypt. I mean, those are ancient. Rome, uh, again, we're talking about a life that's been around. And we're also talking about a topic that's been around since those times. Oh, it's, it's from the beginning of time. And I think that's Basically, something that... Yeah is is fascinating is there is uh, a novel about egypt out there the historical doctrine of a great city i think is what it's called and it has mm -hmm. like Rome in egypt and all of those in them and the fact that it's it, it's a trade as old as time and the it is the abuse that goes through and the fact that people think they are higher than others has always been astounding to me. and i find it to be fascinating Yep. As terrible as it is, I find it very fascinating that some people think that they are somehow better than others because of where or when you were born. The arrogance of man, like that is why the greatest countries and, and cities and everything always fall is because of the arrogance of man. And it is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's it's not because of a girl. It's because of a guy who was too prideful and arrogant and he thought he should have something that wasn't his. Speaking of that, that that's another thing that happens a lot too, especially when we're talking about this book about this specific time, is that when you are talking about roles in the household, when you're talking about roles in society, women's roles were not very very much higher than an enslaved person of color. Here's the thing that a lot of people forget about history is that blacks were not, when coming to the United States, blacks were not just the only slaves. The Irish. You still had the Irish. You had even the English were enslaved. The Italians, yeah. Like the Italians, Irish were the first to start building the railroad. They, mm -hmm. When they fell, the owners of them just kicked them into the railway and buried over them. The railroad is yep. literally built on the backs and bones of Irishmen. 
Yeah. And it's terrible. But the benefit that Irish had is, and the English had, it's not hard to change an accent. No, like, it's not. All they had to do was to change the way that this, their voice sounded. And it wasn't easy to get away. But back then, black people were worth more than Irishmen. Irishmen mm -hmm. were worth less. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. it was easier for Irishmen to escape than it is for a black person to escape. You can change your accent. You can't change color of your skin. Nope. So you can't just slip away and be like, no, I am now Smith and nobody, I am not Irish or I'm not black. It wasn't that easy. It was just for some reason, the, I think it's, I don't know if it was a giving up of, of Irish slaves or what it was, but, or maybe it was just too easy to lose them. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm going to have to do research on that, on when they stopped keeping Irish slaves as much as they did black slaves. But I do know one of the things that they used to do is intermingle Irish and black people to create the ultimate slave is literally what it's called. Look it up. They, it was the sure. ultimate because they had the, the, the structure and build of, of a black person and the endurance of an Irish person. So it was considered the ultimate slave and they would trace the lineage and they would get more for them at slave markets. Which is ridiculous. They're not animals. Like you can't. It's not crossbreeding a dog, which again is very wrong. We should not breed dogs like that. It's wrong. But it was just an insane. Who comes up? Like there has to be a. They have to be in like the seventh circle of hell. Like who is just uh, sitting there? Like hey, these two slave races are pretty cool. You know, it'd be awesome. I, I would think they're more in the eighth or the ninth, but you know, we'll go with the seventh. That's fine. Thankfully, I didn't live back then, too, because I am also a mix of African-American and Western European, i.e. Irish. So I would definitely be that breed. That would suck really bad for me. Like you said, it was it's easier for you to change your accent than it is to change the color of your skin. And one of the things of being a mulatto is the fact that you have you still have the capability of mulatto is mixed. Uh, so someone that's mixed of a black uh, race to a white race. I'm mulatto. Really? I'm mulatto. Yes. That is fascinating. That's a cute name. It is. It, it it's a good title, to, a good label to have because you get the best of both worlds in in a sense. But it also made it a lot more difficult for you to be accepted by either side. Either race, yeah. But one of the things that mulattoes were able to do to a sense was they were able to uh, pass off as Spaniards because yes. the lighter, the lighter your tan was like, if you look at my, my youngest, um, he is a mixture of mulatto and white, which means that he still has that great Spanish tan per se. Mm -hmm. So as he gets older, he'll be looked at as a little bit different than me. And then if you look at my oldest, my oldest is white. So, He'd be easy to get past her. Easy. <laughs> Seriously, I married a white woman. I have my oldest son is white. My youngest son is caramel. Perfect tan year round. Like that's just exactly. Not Do you see? This I know. is actually my skin color. This is what I look like. Like, but they both yeah pale as can be. can be. We know. Uh, but the fact is, is that they both still um, can burn. They actually can get uh, red. 
I have to say, I, I, you know, my son, he used to stay outside 24 seven in the sun in Florida. We're mm-hmm. quarter mile from the beach, stay outside yeah. all day long. That little boy had so much Irish in him. He didn't even burn. Like he was like, the sun was too scared to touch him. Like, just like, no, nope, he's fine. Pasty little it's the blood boy. Line. Yes. Yeah, it's the blood it's line. I'm telling you. But going back to our conversation, the women back then were basically legal slaves as well. Because you could beat your wife, you could rape your wife, you could kill your wife with with if you had reason to. You could make them do whatever you wanted. And there was Mm -hmm. nothing they could do. They had no protection. You couldn't go and call the cops if your husband decided to beat the hell out of you. You couldn't yeah. call the cops if you were raped on the street. You couldn't if you were battered, bruised, anything like that. It was a husband's right. Oh, by the way, it was your fault too. Yes. Oh, all, of course. Your fault. Here's the thing. You can't do an abortion either. There's no such thing as abortion either. So you had to have the child. And the only way that you get rid of the child is to give it up to the church. Or backyard, you know, alleyway stuff. Or just kill them. Or if yeah. your husband was pissed off one night and wasn't sure you were faithful because he was wasted and shoved you down yeah. the stairs. Like there was the, oh, the rights between women and slaves were parallel. They were nearly the same. Only you couldn't sell your wife. Well. Wait, I was no. about to say, wait a second. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. You could. And then if your husband was a real butthead then mm-hmm. he could divorce you and ruin your life for anybody cast you out on the street keep your children from you not mm-hmm. allow you a home a job because a lot of times women were not allowed to have jobs yeah. and you would be left with nothing or if they were really evil they could put you in an asylum and say that you just yeah women's hysteria yeah all they had to do hysteria. was hysterical and off you go to get experimented on those Fun new lobotomies that started and shock mm-hmm. therapy and yeah, they would pay the doctors too to say that to agree that you were insane, and that was a way that you could disappear. And then they could just divorce you straight yes. up easily. It was it was completely legal. Having said all of that, understanding the terms and conditions per se to mm-hmm. historical fiction and some of the rules, some of the things that you have to do to make this at least plausible plausible in some way shape or form and to help with that immersion into the story itself but you have to do your research you have to be able to go to all these sources that are that have been uh what's the word i want to say uh validated that they are verified they are consistently verified over time and even if someone doesn't like the truth it's still the truth oftentimes the truth is not pretty and it's not neat or tied with a bow and i think that's something that has been lost over the last 10 15 years is if they they're taking things out of of history books they're, you know, like the Battle of Wounded Knee and the the, tri- the Trail of Tears. Like, those are no longer in the American history books. Yeah. And that's terrible. And that's when I yeah. think some of these weird books, like the, the historical fiction, when you find those random things, it teaches you something that you may not have learned either. Because history is changing. 
What we have previously said and taught our children is too harmful for them now. So we are coloring history, not pun intended. Uh, We are changing it to make it more palatable to people. And history is not supposed to be pretty. It's supposed to be a learning experience. Even in everybody's, in your life, when you go through, you look back and you think of horrible things you've done, mistakes you've made, all of the missed opportunities or guilt or anything that you have in your life. It's the same thing for, for a broad country history. It's growing, evolving and changing too, but you can't forget about those painful things. You have to learn from them. And I think a lot of them, we're kind of losing that and losing that knowledge. So even if it is a historical fiction novel, it'll pique curiosity and it keeps people wanting to learn and imparts a bigger impression on you when you get something like these stories. Because I don't know about anybody else, but sometimes I don't feel like reading a biography. Like, I just want to go to a fake world, even if it has a historical basis and be one of those characters instead of somebody that I know or may have heard of. And it also makes sense to understand when you're watching this stuff, when you're looking at this stuff, when you're reading about it, that noted that, yes, it is a historical fiction, noted that it is truth in some way, shape, or form. Just because you don't feel that it makes sense in a way or that you don't like what they were doing you have to understand that it is still the truth you still have to understand that it is still relevant and that people can make a difference if they learn about this stuff because if one of the greatest lines i will ever i will always state is true to this is that if you do not learn about history it will repeat itself We've seen it too many times when people have destroyed something they didn't like. Look at World War II. Most of the Jewish history is destroyed during the Holocaust. Most of it disappeared, i.e. even with the families that were destroyed and ended. Those bloodlines are done, gone, period. End of discussion on that. If you don't learn what happened before us you will lose it because we're already starting to repeat a majority of history right now by getting rid of specific cultures specific ideas specific people in general the world isn't meant to make you comfortable and i think that's a misinterpretation too it's not about creating this perfect place for for everybody wants a perfect place to grow up in and live in The sad fact is, it's not a reality. It's not a possibility. And as much as you want to fight for something like that, you have to be willing to face. It's not even just about learning the history. It's understanding history and learning from it and not ignoring it. Because I feel like a lot of times, especially in schools and stuff nowadays, we're just like, oh, no, that's not important enough for anybody to go over. We we don't need to worry about that. But you do, because it's not just hey, we shouldn't have slaves. It's, hey, you shouldn't treat anybody less than a human being. You should give them, everybody deserves basic human rights. It's not about necessarily understanding that America had slavery, which obviously, guys, we did. Um, but it's understanding it's, it's, it's the actions of how we treated people. 
and what we thought of them and why just skin color or where we were from made us better than somebody else. And I think that's what's getting lost nowadays is, okay, sure, we don't have slavery, right? But we still treat other people like they're lower than we are. We still don't like certain races. We still don't like people from other countries. It's the exact same mentality. We're just not whipping and whipping them or taking control of their lives. Instead, we're cutting them out, treating them disrespectful and assuming that because we don't have an, a title on it like slavery, that we're somehow better than we were in the past. And we're not. That's true. And, and to the point, yes, there's still a little bit of slavery, but it's legalized now in a sense because there's ways to... Exactly. There, that too. Well, there's also ways to legally create slavery that morally is wrong, no matter what. Uh, there are people that do get whipped, but many of them enjoy it, and they actually uh, communicate that they enjoy it. Does have nothing yeah. to do with us. That is exactly that. That's a different topic for another time. That pray to God we will never have on this show. I try to keep this as family friendly as possible. Uh, so one of my things is no erotica, honestly, nothing like that. Uh, some of the spicier stuff we, I, I try to stay away from as much as possible, but I understand in romance, it will come up sometimes, uh, i.e. Danielle, um, some of her stuff sometimes. No, that was aura blending. That was the funniest. Okay, guys, <laughs> you have to read this because her warrior angels that have become the Fae, the fallen angels on earth, have never had sex. They were angels. So yeah. to explain how sex works, they used military terms to describe the process. And I promise you, you will not regret it. It was the most amazing passage I have ever read in my life. And you will laugh because yeah. you will feel so bad. These people are centuries, years old, never yeah. had sex, are so embarrassed to talk about it that they use military terms. Please look it up. Just look it up. Yeah, it's it's locked out of heaven. It, was it the first book or the second book? No, it was uh, it was from the ashes. From the ashes. Okay, that's what it from was. From the ashes by Danielle and Morsino. Look it up. It's Jarvak and Zion talking about it. I promise you that you will not regret it. And let her know that it was epic and hilarious because she doesn't believe me. She was very serious and concise when she wrote it. I remember when we interviewed her. Uh, back a while back it was almost a year ago i think when i had danielle on the show uh she made the comment it was like it was very interesting to write about that and then have her dad read it and um his, his comments on it but again that that's a whole different ballgame a whole different conversation that hopefully we won't have too many other versions of that but we want you guys to understand again Common sense, even though it's not so common anymore, it is something that we need to understand, we need to have, because these are the things that keep historical fiction still going today. And you have to have the research, and in the world in general, yes. 
Um, but in this specific topic of historical fiction in regards to the book and talking about slavery and women's rights and the roles that they played during the 1835 in this in the specific era that we're talking about, abolitionism, there's so many underlying subtexts with this book that when we talk to uh, Deirdre Sennett uh, about her book, The Third Mrs. Galloway, you will understand completely why we're talking about it and what we're talking about specific things. Because again, these are different perspectives. You may see it on, on stage as two different perspectives of a black woman and a white woman, but the underlying subject is this is a woman writing about women and the roles that they played while during while understanding your moral compass too and questioning it. So until next time, folks, you know, come find us. You can see all of our stuff on beyondthepenpodcast.com. You can find all of our links, the same thing with a lot of the profiles of the authors that are on there right now and their links to their stuff. We will have uh, Deidre put her stuff up there. Deirdre, I don't know why I said Deidre, Deirdre's uh, profile on there. I know, two different people, I guess. Um, two different perspectives on her name, too. Uh, <laughs> and all the things that we could talk about about the publishing world and the things that you need to learn. Uh, we will have a blog up about things such as, you know, what you need to know about book tours, uh, the differences and, you know, the reviews that are out there about between the paid as well as the unpaid and how they affect your book. All these little tidbits, you can find them on our blog sheets. And until then, thank you for joining this time with me and Chelsea, the walking vial of chaos with a diplomatic immunity and any other things that we can possibly add to the labels to her name. I'm looking for about 15 titles now. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. So until next time, folks, keep writing, keep inspiring, keep sharing, and keep learning about the world around you because that is going to help you unleash your creativity. Hey, folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.